Welcome to our God's Word for today devotional this morning. And our text for today is in Psalm chapter 45, verses 1 to 17. And let's prepare our hearts because the Word of God is His revelations of who He is and what He desires for us to learn, not for information, but to transform us, to change us, to become like Him in order that we'll become the right people, right children of God. Psalm 45, 1-17 My heart overflows with a pleasing theme. I address my verses to the king. My tongue is like the pen of a ready scribe. You are the most handsome of the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore God has blessed you forever. Gird your sword on your thigh, O mighty one, in your splendor and majesty. In your majesty, ride out victoriously. For the cause of truth and meekness and righteousness. Let your right hand teach you awesome deeds. Your arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies. The peoples fall under you. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of righteousness. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Your robes are all fragrant with mayor and aloes and geisha. From ivory palaces, stringed instruments make you glad. Daughters of kings are among you, your leaders of honor. At your right hand stands the queen in gold of offer. Hear, O daughter, and consider and incline your ear. Forget your people and your father's house, and the king will desire your beauty. Since he is your lord, bow to him. The people of Tyre will seek your favor with gifts, the richest of the people. All glorious is the princess in her chamber, with robes interwoven with gold. In many colored robes she is led to the king, with her virgin companions following behind her. With joy and gladness they are led along, as they enter the palace of the king. In place of your fathers shall be your sons. You will make them princes in all the earth. I will cause your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore, nations will praise you forever and ever. Clearly, this is a marriage song written for a king marrying his bride. And it, it is a story about how God is exalted by choosing Israel and eventually the church so that his throne will be exalted forever. So the psalmist Exalted God here, singing, Your throne, O God, is forever. Noticeably, the words in the psalm prophetically explain the ministry of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, nothing else but Jesus Christ. In his writings, Paul has explained Jesus' marriage to his bride, the church, that this is the marriage of the church and the Lord Jesus Christ as the groom in view here in, and written by Paul in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 to 27. The psalmist depicted the king as the most attractive. He should be the most attractive in this wedding, nothing else or nobody else. But we ask, was Jesus attractive? According to Isaiah 53, verse 2, he has no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. 
However, the time of his glorification is soon to arrive. Thus Isaiah, in his prophecy, Isaiah 33 verse 17, he says, Your eyes will behold the king in his beauty. He girds with a sword, as described the psalmist here, meaning he is in a military power. And let's remember that when Jesus arrived, he was somehow portraying himself as a meek lamb, led into the slaughter, led into the cross to sacrifice for our sins. But during his second coming, he would display his military might, majesty, and the glory. Revelations 19 verse 11 tells us that. He is a champion of truth, meekness, and righteousness, according to verse 4. And these virtues speak of Jesus, who John says in John 1 verse 17, he is full of grace and truth. When we move to verse 5 and 6, this clearly connects to the role of the Messiah. Because in the New Testament, especially in the book of Hebrews, the writer notes the words of these verses to connect the throne of David's line to God's promise to send a Savior. Jesus is the ear of all things and the creator, according to Hebrews 1, verse 2. The radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, Hebrews 1, verse 3. He is superior to the angels, Hebrews 1, verse 4. He is God's son, Hebrews 1, verse 5. He is worthy of worship, Hebrews 1, verse 6. And he is God, Hebrews 1, verse 8. And even in Hebrews 1, verse 8 also, his throne is forever and ever, and his scepter is the scepter of righteousness. He would be anointed with the oil of gladness beyond his companions. And this was part of the Hebrew marriage proceedings, and it represents joy and gladness, as Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 61, verse 3. This king is dressed lavishly and impressively, and he's sitting at his ivory palace. He's anointed with the pleasant perfumes, myrrh, aloes, and geisha. Myrrh is a pleasant-smelling resin from trees in Arabia. It was used as a perfume, according to Proverbs 7, verse 17. Alos, however, were also used for their fragrance. You can see that in Numbers 22, 4, verse 6, and Proverbs 7, 17. While Keisha was another perfume derived from roots or bark, which might have resembled cinnamon. Mir and aloe, particularly, were also used to prepare bodies for burial, and these were the perfumes that that was used or that were used during the burial of the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 2, verse 11, John chapter 19, verse 39. Now, this is another point which connects this psalm to the then future work of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. And because this is a wedding scene, he is surrounded with ladies of honor as bridesmaids here in verse 9. While the queen is standing beside the bridegroom, who is the king, and this queen is arrayed in gold of offer or by the golds coming from offer. 
And where is Ofer? Ofer was probably located in the western part of Arabia, and its gold was highly valued, according to First Chronicles 29 verse 4 and Job 28 verse 16. Now there, there is um, a claim that Ofer is Philippines, but there is no clear evidence about it. Now, she has to forget her people and her father's house. It means that the bride has to forget her people and her father's house, according to verse 10 here. What does this mean? This does not mean to erase the parents or her loved ones from her memory. Instead, it means to set them aside in favor of her marriage. She was about to begin a new relationship. So that's the wisdom. Why? According to Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, that a man will leave his parents, mother and father, and cleave unto his wife so that he can live as one. So that he is going to prioritize his relationship. What was true for the king's bride is also true for us as part of the church now. The church is called Jesus' bride. Christians should renounce their former love of the world. You cannot love God and love the world at the same time. The Apostle John writes, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 1 John 2, verse 15. As the king desires her beauty, so is the king of kings, the lord of lords. Looks upon his bride, the church, as beautiful, and is, he is very zealous to his bride, the church. Ephesians 5, 25-27 explains that Christ gave himself for the church to separate her from the world, to bring her to himself in order that the bride of Christ, the church, will become unblemished, pure, and holy. In response, the bride is to honor him with full devotion, according to verse 11 also here in this psalm. Now, there is a mention of the people of Tyre or Tyre, are, they are bringing gifts in verse 12. Let's recall that David received setters and workers, carpenters, to build his palace in 2 Samuel 5 verse 11. And someday, David thought that the temple will be erected and that happened during the time of Solomon. But in the near future, Jesus, the son of David, the heir of his throne, will reside in the new Jerusalem. The nations will bring their glory and honor into the city as prophesied in Revelation 21, verse 24 to 26. So as the believers of the Lord Jesus Christ redeemed, we ask this question. Because of what Christ has done by redeeming us, by sacrificing at the cross in order that we will be reconciled and be forgiven of our sins, we ask, what do we present to God in return? Of course, there's nothing that you can do that can compensate of what Christ did. But in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, Paul urged us there by the mercies of God because of what Christ has done to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. 
when we move to Psalm 45, verse 14 to 16, what a joy that we can see here that the king's bride and her bridesmen will experience the, the lavishness of this entourage as they are escorted to the king's palace for the wedding. And this events or this scenario anticipates the return of Jesus Christ to earth for the marriage supper of the Lamb. Revelation chapter 19 verse 7 to 8 says, Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. Let us be encouraged by these words that someday this will happen. There will be a marriage supper of the Lamb for those who belong to the Lord Jesus Christ by trusting Him as their Savior. We become part of the bride. We become part of the church. And I pray that all of us, everyone who is listening to this podcast or watching this video, will recognize that we need to repent of our sins and believe on Jesus. And he will give us the privilege, the right to become his children and even become part of the bride, the church. And someday he's coming back to take us home. May these reflections today will encourage us to live right and pure and set apart unto the Lord. What can we repay to what Christ has done at the cross? Yes, he is the, the bridegroom the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and he's coming back. He's going to take us, the bride, unto himself. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. Bless us our hearts and that we were able to draw in Christmas, Lord, times that we are discouraged in serving you, Lord. Thank you that we can look into the truth of this chapter and be encouraged that you are our God who assures us that there will be some day, a time that you are going to take us because you said that you're coming again. And we trust your word because you said heaven and earth shall pass away, but your word will always remain. Thank you for your words today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.